celebrating your last Sunday here before you move. So I want to say um, just best wishes to you and God bless and um, excited about all that God is doing all over the place. Of course, happy Mother's Day as well. My mom here, my grandmother here, so you'll have to meet them if you haven't met them. If you'd like to, they, they're good people. Um, and yeah, I, but I'm really excited about just the momentum that God is doing in our community, even as we head into the summer. It's just, I just have a sense that God is continuing to those of us that are staying and those of us who are going. He's using us to be causal and to make a difference in the world around us. And I'm so excited about all the great stuff. Thank you to all of you who have signed up already for Friday Night Hangout and the community group. Thanks to the Plonies. Actually, there's another community group that's going to be on Wednesday nights that Mitchell Yarnell is heading up and still forming the details on that. But lots of opportunities. And there's actually also, just got to throw this out there too, a group of guys that are going to be going through our Kingdom Living group. And that's, that's starting like this week. So if you're just uh, new here or new to your faith or have questions about God, that's a great chance to, to, get, to get together with a group of people and dig into God's Word and build a foundation on His Word. So if you're interested in that, you can sign up for any of those over there. Or, um, like Jenny said, talk to someone, a staff person or at the Welcome Center today. Whew! Man, what am I forgetting? There's just so much good stuff. We are, uh, how many of you, just jump into the message here, how many of you, let me see a show of hands, have seen the Avengers Endgame movie so far? Yeah, that's, that's what I thought, like a majority of the people in the room. Um, I have not yet seen it, but I'm planning to, actually, my, Reagan, my wife and I, and Ian got caught up, got caught up on um, Infinity Wars earlier this week because we'd never seen that. So we're looking forward to seeing Endgame. Yeah, but it's crazy. This movie is, is blowing up the box office. It's probably this weekend. It's been less than a month, but it's probably going to set the all-time box office uh, record for the, the most money that's come in. And it's just amazing how many people are seeing this movie. And actually, I don't think I've ever heard such a high response of people who love the, the movie. Seems like everybody who's seen it tells me they really liked it, so that's that's impressive. But it's some, it's interesting how all these how well a lot of the Avengers movies, the super superhero movies, have done, and you know it's really not too surprising because there's something in each of us. There's an appeal about the idea of a band of people with unusual powers and abilities, kind of supernatural abilities. If you get my drift, coming together. <laughs> yeah, you guys, you're smart. People with these supernatural abilities coming together, forming a team, and then they have to, because there is this evil force that is getting ready to dis- that will destroy the world unless they intervene. And there's just something about that. And you know, I think that's because that's really. The, those movies are a shadow of the story that we find ourselves in. The story of the universe, the story of history, good versus evil, God's plan, the adversary. We are, that, we are called to be in that, in that game. And I, You guys should have picked someone else to talk on Mother's Day because I'm talking about Avengers and bad guys and <laughs> evil and all this, so I can't help it. But actually, this is, there's, it's, it's, it's on purpose because... Whether men or women, young or old, all of us are called into this battle. And I love how in, in the Bible, in the very beginning, when God made Adam, and, it's, and then it said, God said, looked at him after a little while and said, it's not good for this dude to be alone. 
I'm going to make a helper for him. And he made the first woman. But that word helper, a lot of times when we hear the word helper, we think of kind of like a maid or something. But there are all these stereotypes of, oh yeah, what that, what that means. But that word helper is easier. It really is a military word. It's, uh, it's used oftentimes in Scripture of God. Of God coming to bring deliverance and salvation to his people. And so, really, you think about like Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel, like that's kind of the essence of what God has made all of men, women, all of us to be in this, in this military fray, in this, this battle against good and evil. And so, that's, you know, Mother's Day is, we want to celebrate that, you know, that all of us are called into that, that process. And, you know, evil, let's talk about that for a minute. And I, uh, Krista, yeah, if you could show, yeah, there's, you guys, most of you know that, that's Thanos, the, the bad dude in the Avengers. We, th- we think of evil, we maybe think of something like this, some, some guy who looks really bad and scary and powerful and tough. But evil oftentimes looks less like this and more like this. If, if any of you remember this from your childhood, this is a picture from Little Red Riding Hood and the Big Bad Wolf, who, if you know that story, the, the Big Bad Wolf had depending on the, the level of the story you read, whether it was, you know, how child-friendly it was, either, either the wolf kidnapped mama or grandma and put her in the closet, or as the real story goes, the big bad wolf ate grandma and then took her nightgown and little doily head covering, whatever that is. <laughs> yeah, I told you. You shouldn't have had me talk on Mother's Day. It's a bad, bad idea. But there's, that's really more like how evil usually presents itself. It, it takes, evil is incredibly evil, and is the, 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 Jesus said that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But he doesn't present himself that way. But he's like a wolf. Jesus said it also, a wolf's in sheep's clothing. There's, he tries his best to make evil look innocent and safe and appealing and, and good. And so, you know, little red, little red Riding Hood's tongue twister here, she's, she's confused. She's like, you look like Grandma. You sound a little, your, your nose is bigger, your paws are but you look like Grandma here. Every once in a while you see a glimpse of, of claws or, you know, fangs. But overall, there's just like, okay, yeah, this looks safe. And that's usually how evil presents itself in our lives. We're going to be looking this morning at a passage from Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians is really a book in the Bible that's all about God's cosmic plan to bring a people together in order to show His wisdom and His power and His goodness to the spiritual powers, the spiritual forces of darkness. In Ephesians 3, verse, verse 7 and 10, he kind of sums it up all like this. Paul is writing, he says, Of this gospel I was made a minister, so that through the church... There's that people, that supernatural people brought together through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. God's plan is is to raise up a people, the church, and to do something so amazing through them that shows his power, shows his wisdom, shows his as Rob, as Rob talked about two weeks ago, the upside-down nature of God's kingdom, it's different, but it's, it blows our minds. And it blows the minds of the spiritual forces of darkness when they see what God is doing through his people. 
And so the book, the book of Ephesians, the letter of Ephesians, goes through this. The first chapter talks about our identity in Christ, that we are supernatural people, that we're supernaturally blessed, chosen before the foundation of the world, giving these gifts, gifts from God, every, wisdom, every treasure in the heavenly places that says has been given to us to be, to be adopted into God's family and part of his purpose. Chapter 2 talks about how God saves us by his grace, but out of that grace he sends us into works, prepared in advance for us to do. But there are heroic works that God has called us to do as his people. It goes on, the end of the, the, end of the book sums up with this whole, the famous, put on the armor of God, and your, your battle's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and authorities and princes of this dark age. There's this, this great galactic cosmic struggle that we are in, but it's, it's not against flesh, but it's against, it's against these spiritual forces. And so, chapter 5 is leading right up into that, right up into that, that climax, and it's talking about the surprising way that we take down the powers of evil, the surprising way that we take on the forces of darkness. And so we're just going to read, we're going to read about 15 verses here, um, and I'm just going to trust in God's word. I just really want to encourage you to, to press in to, to, to scripture here, press into these words, and let God speak to you, or listen to what God wants to speak to you this morning. Verse 1, Paul writes, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Now this is really amazing when you think about it. God actually calls us to and empowers us to live like him. To, re- to live in a way that reflects his character, the way he acts, his heart, his priorities, just the way that a, a child emulates their parents. Um, and, and what's the ultimate expression of God's, God's character and God's nature? It's, it's love. It's not, we think this battle against evil, you know, what's, you know, what's the jiu-jitsu move I'm going to do? But, or, but it's, it's love. That's the move, ultimately. The evil is, is defeated not by our power or our intelligence or strategy, Evil is defeated as we live a life of sacrificial love. Yeah, come on, Elaine, isn't that right? It's good stuff. It's sacrificial love. Just as Jesus gave up his life for us, we're called to to lay down our lives for others. And, And nobody does that better than moms, right? I mean, that's really, I think, there is something about God has put... Moms in the world, nobody reflects in, as, as a consistent class. I know we have, nobody's perfect, but there is an amazing thing God has put in the heart of mothers to lay down their lives for their children. And it's amazing. I, and that is something that we cannot overestimate the, what that adds to the world, what that adds to society and culture is, is that love that's, that's, that, that comes through, through the family, through mothers in particular. Um, I, I love in, in, it says at the end of this verse, it's a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You know, Jesus' sacrifice was a fragrant aroma and sacrifice to God. It was something that, hey, just, you know, aromatherapy is like, wow, oh, this is good. Something that caught his heart. And when we live in that way, there's just something about that that God loves. That when he sees people laying aside our own agenda and our own desires and our schedules and our, our ambitions and all that and saying, you know what? 
I'm going to set that aside and I'm going to choose to give it myself for somebody else without it being seen, without it being recognized, without it being appreciated. Man, that is something that catches God's attention and he loves. And that is really what we're called to like, like nothing else. How do we defeat evil? It's through that kind of love. There's, don't have time to go into it too much. There's a book I would highly recommend by Daryl Miller called Nurturing the Nations. And it's all about the unique way that God uses women in that, the calling of, of nurturing in a way that's, you know, we're all called to nurture, but in a special way, women have that ability and that calling. And it's, it's not a second-class calling, but it is something that brings God's very heart and life into society and into the world in an incredibly important way. And so we are, that's, that's how God's, God uses us all um, to, bring his, to bring, bring his life and defeat evil. Um, let me keep reading here, because it kind of takes a sharp, a sharp turn. It was walk in love, lay down your lives. Verse 3, But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead, let there be thanksgiving. Let, these, let sexual immorality, all impurity, or covetousness not even be named among you. Now, it's important if we want to see that our calling is to see the kingdom of darkness pushed back in the world. The place where evil resides is not just out there, but the place where the battle takes place is in our own hearts. And the place where we see and confront and where evil presents itself the most is in our own souls. And, you know, it's one thing to be excited about, yeah, let's take down evil. But, okay, here it is, knocking at the door with temptation and impurity and covetousness and the temptation to immorality. That is, those are the places where, where we really have the opportunity to see the kingdom of darkness pushed back in our own life. And I think there's something about our world today we like to think about, like, yeah, justice. Man, we want to advocate for justice. But we separate that from warring against evil in our own hearts, in our own life. And the evil we face is not just external, but it's, but it's internal. Um, again, that's one of the reasons parenting is so important. Because one of the things parents do is, is they help, if they're good parents, they lovingly help their children see that they're sinners. See that there is a right way to live. And Junior, you are not living that way. And it's not just because you're not trying hard enough, but it's because there is sin in your heart. And you are not going to be able to live this way until Jesus changes your heart. But he does. He will as you turn to him and trust in him. And so but we have, that's, that's what we do when we turn to Christ, but it's the process of a lifetime of following Christ is pushing back evil. And I, I love, it's just, it's, it's helpful the way, sometimes it's helpful that God is oftentimes black and white about things. It says, these things should not even be named among you. Impurity. What's impurity? Yes, yesterday, um, our family and the Thamers had a graduation. Our friends, the Thamers here, had a graduation party for our son, Cade, and his friend, Reese, who graduated from high school. Yeah, Grandma's excited about that. <laughs> We're all excited about that. But one of the things that my wife, Reagan, was, made, was putting together is we made watermelons. 
and it's a party. She says, okay, let's not just have watermelon slices, but let's do it a little special. And so she went to the store and was getting these, these, those big popsicle sticks to like stick in the rinds so you could hold it and, you know, more party flavor. But when she went to Walmart, the, all the, the plain ones were gone. The only ones that were there were the ones that had been colored. So it was like, well, I guess this will work, and they're, they're more festive. They're green and red and blue, multicolored. So we stabbed the little watermelon rinds and stuck those popsicle, colored popsicle sticks inside the watermelon and went to the party. And halfway through the night, we looked at the watermelon, and yeah, those of you there maybe noticed this. It was crazy. The dye in those sticks spread through the watermelon. It was like a cancer. It was like, this does not look good. This does not look good. Okay, don't eat that. Don't eat that. I mean, remember we were sticking those things in and Reagan's hands were kind of blue and she's like, I hope this is going to be okay. But, you know, it's just on your hands. It's, but no, it wasn't just on your hands. It like got through that fruit of the melon and just spread all over the place. And that's what sin does. And that's, that's what impurity does. We think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm mostly good, but there's, you know, I've got this little area of my life, and it's not so bad. We'll overlook that. But that's what impurity is. It's something pure that has a little something into it. It's no longer pure. It's now impurity. Because that's, that's what sin does. And the Bible is just so clear. It's like, hey, don't mess around. Like, the way to fight against sin is not to just sort of like, okay, we'll try to keep you at bay somewhat, or, get, you know, you can have this much ground, but no more. But it's no, it's, let it not, let, there's no room. No place where there is impurity or immorality or covetousness. Just, you got to see it, repent of it, turn away from it, and walk free from it. And that's, that's the way God calls us to live. These are things that our culture, you know, thinks, thinks are no big deal. That word, sexual immorality is literally, the, the, the Greek word is, is porneia. It's where we get the word pornography. It's the, and it literally, it's also some of the older translations Instead of sexual immorality, it says, let there be no whoremongering among you. That's not a word that we hear very often, whoremongering. But that comes from the same root also. And it's literally, it means selling off of something. It's that you're, you're taking something that is valuable, but you're selling it off. You're, you're, you're selling out for a cheap substitute. And that's what sexual immorality is. It's, it's selling out. It's taking something that's a, supposed to be a gift to give one person that we're in a covenant relationship with for a lifetime. But it's selling out for something less. And that is, God's very clear, there's no place for this in our lives. Um, it goes on in verse, verse 7. Therefore, or is that where we were? Verse 5, yeah, thanks. Um, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, and let's just think about that for a minute, because we're like, okay, there's sexual morality, and there's impurity. And then he puts the same category, covetousness, coveting. That's, that's wanting stuff that we don't have. That's, in case you didn't notice, that's what our whole economy is built upon. That's the idea that, oh man, you don't have this. Here's the commercial, you need this. Your life is not good enough. You need what everybody else has. God says, no, that's, that's idolatry. That's saying that something else is your God. That's going to be what makes you happy. That's what you're, where your life comes from. All these in the same category. Let it not even be named among you. Um, 
Everyone who is sexually immoral or impure, who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Man, this is, this is important stuff. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. And I love where he goes with this because there is an alternative to being given over to the power of evil. And that's living in a way that is pleasing to the Lord. That's living in a way that is wholly presenting our lives to God. And that's, that is not just like hearing, the, I know sometimes when you hear that it can be depressing. Like, oh man, you're just like, yeah, is that possible? But yes, God's grace has made this way of living possible. His grace brings us up into that. And so we can live in a way that's pleasing to God. We can live in a way that's doing what's right and just and true. Um, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. I think that's not just talking about, hey, expose it in other people's lives, but in our own lives. Expose what's going on. And say, God, I, I want to come clean, and I want you to transform me and cleanse me in those areas. Um, so this is how we take on evil. It's... it's from the inside out into the world. Skipping down to verse 15, Paul writes this. He says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Is that true today? Are the days evil today? I right hear a few, a few yeses. Yeah, it's, they are. In case, you know, and it's not hard to look at things in our culture that make it readily apparent that, that the days are evil. But I think, again, for me, it's, man, so often I find it, it's like the big bad wolf scenario. It's like, it doesn't seem so evil. You know, the stuff that really, it, it masquerades as, as good and all this stuff. It's, but no, it's, it's seen, the, the reality of evil. In our world, I think some of the reasons, it's kind of interesting, I think some of the reasons we don't see evil so much in our culture is because the gospel has had a major impact in our culture through, through past generations and up to this point. The gospel has come and it's brought a lot of life you've, that you would see in America that you don't see in places around the world where the gospel hasn't come to the same degree. Um, but uh, largely it's because evil is like the big bad wolf. And... It masquerades in so many ways. We can look at the greed. We can look at ethnic division. We can, we can look at how women are viewed as objects. We can look at the prevalence of abuse. Um, we can look at our culture taking behaviors that God says are evil and calling them good. Um, we can look at what, we, what happens to so many of, of our unborn. We can look at there is the days are evil. It was really hit me this week. Uh, Mason, who's here, a good friend of mine, we were, we were out... Uh, on campus at the K-State Union on Wednesday. And we were just going up to people and asking them, uh, if they, we asked them, what do you believe that there's a purpose for your life? So we're going up to random people. We went up to like 10 people in the union and outside on campus and asked them, do you believe there's a purpose for your life? And if so, what is it? And we had some really great conversations. And, but at the end of it, I was just so saddened because nobody 
had a strong yes to that question. Nobody's like, yes, I know that there's a purpose for my life, and I know what it is, and I'm living it. Most people were like, oh, I'm not sure, or yeah, there's a purpose, and it's, you know, whatever I make it. That's my purpose. And you just look at people and see the emptiness in their eyes and their lives. And, and about half of them had some level of curiosity towards God. And half of them, for all apparent uh, evidence, had none. And just going, oh my goodness, like your life is, you don't, there's no sense of purpose. And you don't even realize that you're lost. Man, that is depressing. That is tragic. That is the effect of evil in our culture. And it's, you know, it's satiated with consumerism and stuff and success and all of that. But, man, the days are evil. But God has called us to know, to live intentionally, to live with wisdom, and to bring his life and purpose into the world. Um, how can we do that? How can we know what the will of the Lord is? Well, he's in verse 17. He says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So we can't know what God's will is. We can't know his purpose. And he goes right in. Okay, how do you understand the will of the Lord? Again, it's, this isn't going to be what you expect. The next thing he says is, don't get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, for that's debauchery. The word for debauchery basically means wastefulness. So it's saying, hey, you're, find God's will, and so don't waste your life and all this stuff that just like, spins you for no purpose but be filled with the Spirit. And so, man, this is helpful for me, because even in like that, that fight against sin and temptation, it can be so hard. Like, okay, how do I like stir up enough willpower to overcome these temptations? How can I stir up enough willpower to, 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 to be better? But there's, a, there's another alternative God presents. It's kind of like if there's a, a log jam on a river. There are two ways to break up that log jam. You can go out there and try to remove the logs one by one, and that might work eventually, depending on the size of the log jam and how embedded it is. That's that's a good thing. But a great way to do it is for there to be rains like we had this last week, and the level of of the water rises, and then all those logs just bust out, and it's broken. And that's God saying, hey, I want to give you what you need to raise you up, to be filled with my spirit to such a degree that it's like, it's like being drunk in the sense that just like when you're drunk, it doesn't mean that, it means that you've got enough alcohol in your system. Don't all look so like naive, like you don't know what this <laughs> talking about here. Yeah, man. <laughs> you, got, you got enough alcohol in your bloodstream that has taken control of you. Right? It doesn't have to be 100%. I mean, that doesn't happen. But you got enough that it's controlling your actions. And that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is that you get enough of God in you, enough of God's Spirit in you, that all at once, the thoughts that were your thoughts are not the thoughts anymore. They're replaced by something better. They're replaced by something higher. There's the emotions that you had are replaced by something more. God wants to pour out His Spirit upon us. As we, and how does that happen? We, we ask. We get filled with the Spirit by asking God to fill us with the Spirit and by being hungry for it and expecting that He will do it as we ask. And He goes on. And He, said, he, he describes what it looks like when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And if we had a multiple choice test, what is the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit? We might say things like, hey, spiritual gifts, maybe prophesying or speaking in tongues. That's evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are all good things. But that's not what he says here. He says, verse 18, don't get drunk with wine for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, what's he saying there? Now, that first part, if you're like me, it's kind of weird. Like, be filled with the Spirit and then start speaking to one another and singing to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. It's like a Disney musical just broke out. Like, really? Like, you really want me to go around singing to people? That's, that sounds kind of, it's kind of lame. I mean, I kind of like, I don't know. But, you know, there's a reason we all love musicals. Because there's something about that. Like, they just, a song comes upon them. And, yeah, I know, you, we all love musicals, even if we don't admit it, really. That's why, they're, that's why they're popular. But what's he talking about there? Well, there is something about singing. I mean, music. Is, it's funny, some of us who would be the most like, oh, man, I'm not going to go around singing. You're the same one who's got an earbud in your head all the time. You're like, <laughs> listen to music nonstop. So, you know, there is, that's, that's what music is for. And there's, I think what he's getting at here, the, one of the things when, the, when, when we're filled with spirit, there's a creativity. There's a creativity in worship that comes out of us. And it expresses itself in song. We find ourselves driving to work and, man, I just want to praise God. I want to sing. Or... Wanting to worship, wanting to, it's like there's something that wants to bubble out of us to praise God and pass that on to other people. I don't think it's limited to music. I think that same creativity, as we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it comes into our jobs. It comes into God giving us creative solutions to problems that we're facing. Where we're like, man, I can't figure this thing out. And nobody's figuring it out. Where God wants us to look to Him and be filled with His Spirit to where ideas come. And there's a breakthrough. How about the testimony that Abdulia gave a couple months ago about in the lab where she was praying for a breakthrough and there was a mistake in the lab that brought this major breakthrough in cancer research about. Man, that's the sort of thing. God does that as we look to Him. And so creative worship in, in every area of our lives. Our ministry, our family, our jobs, everything. Um, being filled with the Holy Spirit looks like thankfulness. It says... Um, in verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything. And Rob talked about that. And Rachel last week. That, man, when we are full of God, that overflows in thankfulness. And we can be bitter or we can be thankful. As Rachel said, something like that last week. And that's so true. That if God is in us, it, it leads us to a place of thankfulness. And then the last part, and this is really crazy. The last verse 21 says, it says submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What's that talking about? I mean, does that apply to Americans, too? Because, you know, I don't submit to nobody. (laughs) I'm an American. Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Probably one of the greatest evidences of God's life being in us is that there's a humility and a yieldedness. First of all, to God. We're saying, God... I'm willing to let aside, lay aside my agenda, my thoughts, and say, God, your will. 
your ways. I'm going to replace what I want with what you want. And Lord, whatever that is, I trust you. I trust you, God. And when we're in that place, we're in our, when we're in our best place, we're in that place, right? And that also carries over. And a lot of times we're like, well, I'm coming on Sunday morning, and the music's great, and God's Spirit is here in a unique way. And like, God, hail King Jesus, all hail King Jesus. And then at 2 o'clock, our friend tells us, hey, I don't think that attitude's very good. And we're like, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm not going to, you know, we, we're yielded to King Jesus, but when King Jesus is coming to us through another person, we're not so good at that a lot of times. And being filled with the Holy Spirit brings us to a place of saying, God, I want to listen to you. I want to be yielded to the people, to you and to the people around me. And may I be quick to hear. And hear in such a way that I will submit. That doesn't mean, you know, we may have a false idea of that, but it really means being yielded, that we're humbly. We listen humbly with the readiness to learn and to apply the truth to our lives. That's, man, that's so powerful. And so, the good question for us is, am I teachable? Are there, am I hearing instruction, am I hearing input from other people, and from the Lord, on a regular basis, that is changing the direction of my day, changing the direction of my life? Do I want to hear from people, and then, let that direct my life. And if not, God, help me get there. Help fill me with your spirit so I can get there more easily. You know, that's, this is real. It gets, it's, I, I, it's, it's interesting how this big cosmic battle against evil really comes down to just our everyday life and our choices and our relationships and our interactions. And, you know, I, I really love that, actually, that whether you're about to graduate from college and go out into the world and, and maybe... In a month, you're like, this job is not as glamorous as I thought it was going to be. This is just hard work. That's a place where you can be combating evil in your own life and the world around you. Moms, dads, all of us in our everyday life, that those choices, it really does matter. And it really is pushing back darkness as we do that. And so, I just want to encourage us to, to walk in that intentionally. Now, is, I want to ask today, is, is there an area in your life of impurity, of immorality, of covetousness, greed? Is there a place where you've allowed that, that, that dyed popsicle stick to go into your soul and have a place? And it's, it's contaminating things. Maybe you didn't even realize it, but it's contaminating things. And this is the time to say, hey, you know what? Let me just get rid of that. Let me turn away from that, repent, and trust God to bring his purity Whatever that is. Um, you know, if, I trust for all of us that God say, hey, may we be more filled with the Holy Spirit. May His Spirit come upon us and raise us to new levels. And way, out of that, may we be yielded. May we be grateful. May we have creativity in our worship and live out of that. So I just want to pray for us and trust God to do a work in our hearts this morning. Let's, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your truth today. Thank you for your redemptive grace that's more than enough for not only all the evil in the world, but the evil that we battle personally. And God, I pray that you would, you would help each one of us to, to, take, um, to, to take our stand in the place where we need to take our stand. And if this morning, if there's a place in your life where 
you see, man, I've, I've given a foothold to the enemy. I've given a place to impurity, immorality, covetousness. Just even right now in your own heart, just go to God and say, God, I turn from that and I trust you. Lord Jesus, will you sprinkle your blood over my heart? Forgive me. Bring your, pur- your purity. Bring your grace to help me live as your son or your daughter, to represent you and to experience your freedom. God, we thank you for that. Would you, would you help us, Lord? Would you